Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony, how are we? I'm really well, how are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little, no, it's fine. No, it'll be fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Slightly off mic, but I can hear you. I'm on mic now. Oh, like... look at that. You yes. sound like a... It's Radio 4 all over again. <laughs> it's this morning, this morning. Hang on, what am I doing? I know the selected audio device is not available. Twat. God, that makes me angry, this software. Hello? There we are, look. It's all on and it all seems to be working. So I'm going straight into record without any ado whatsoever. Well, I, I've been recording, you know, I caught your twat. Or further ado. <laughs> Much ado about nothing. Mm. That's died out, hasn't it? Ado. I think we should bring that back into language. Ado. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Without without any ado. Yeah. Without any further (laughs) ado. Ado. No, no ado whatsoever. Do you know what I've got in this bag? I have no ado. We're out on Saturday. We're going to a do. <laughs> a bit of a do. A bit of a do. <laughs> no, 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 that's different. You've gone and ruined it now. I was trying to, you know, resurrect a do. And right. now you've gone into a do. Now you've gone into a bit of a do. And Anyway, shut up, Steve. It's early. It's early. Out. It's very early for us. This is actually some form of record, isn't it? Well... I think, you know, it's only half an hour earlier, but it does make a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, massive difference. A bit, it's a bit, bit jet-lagged. <coughs> oh, look, now I'm coughing and everything. And I except, haven't had time. Except oh, you, you, you've been saying time lag rather than jet lag in the diary. Oh, have I? I wonder why. Oh, I probably had made some private decision to ban the term jet lag. Um but I can't remember why I would have. I do shit like that now and again. (laughs) Maybe you decided, and quite rightly, that jet lag is actually a shit phrase. It is a shit phrase. I mean, it's got nothing to do with jets. It's to do with the rotation of the earth lag is what it is, or being in the wrong place at the wrong time lag. Or, as I've often pondered, and I've probably said it before during the 168 <laughs> episodes of this, that, that that the reason you feel shit when you, you know, fly across the world is because your soul hasn't caught up yet. Um, because the process of, of whizzing your body um, to another part of the world it's so unnatural that you're you and your soul your soul tends to go a bit more slowly. You know, I think your soul kind of goes on a on a boat when you fly, and so until your soul has sort of travelled across the sea on the boat, got off, got on a train, and come to where you are, you feel a bit strange. And then at some point, a few days in, your your soul turns up joins you and then you feel all right again have i said that before not you haven't expanded to quite that level of detail and what's <laughs> beautiful about what you just said i love the idea that you get on a plane but your soul gets on a boat but i'm gonna i'm gonna offer just a little bit of practical difficulty what if you get a plane in southampton and you're going to glasgow that's true well you get on a barge probably, no you you just feel all right when you get there because you, you know your soul was, you know, your soul probably took the train and got there before you did. So you feel all right. So your, your soul has had a, a straight run up the country, got an egg and cress sandwich, 
exactly. and a can of dandelion and burdock, and your soul's sorted. And it's got its feet up in the bar while you're still waiting for your luggage at the carousel. Hmm. Which, there's another phrase. Carousel seems wrong for luggage because that's a really, really... It's a shit moment when you're waiting for your bags, but carousel's got an air of something jolly about it. Yeah, but when your bags arrive on the carousel after an hour of waiting, there is a there is a celebratory feeling. <laughs> I find. I mean, right. the wait the waiting is miserable, but if the bags arrive, and it's a big if, uh, you know, then you do suddenly feel a bit woohoo! I could go home. Uh, sort of a feeling. Have you ever done that? In Heathrow? What? Gone woohoo, I can go home? Yeah. Yeah, damn right I have. Last Sunday for a kickoff, when the uh, bags finally arrived after an hour on the way back from Berlin. And then and then when they do finally start trundling round, you, you do feel, you know, liberated. There's that feeling of liberation. And the other feeling of liberation is when you've been on a on a bus tour for a, a few weeks and you eventually get home and climb into your own car, uh, no matter what kind of a car that is, whether it's some kind of luxury vehicle like Mosley drives or, or a go-kart like I drive, um, the feeling of being in control of your own destiny and being able to go wherever you choose at the time of your choosing is such is so uplifting because when you're on tour in a touring entourage, you're taken from one place to another. You're never quite sure where you are, where you're going, and you're you're always um, uh, what's the word? You know, you've all you've, you've I've got a I've got to get hold of Frenchie before I do anything. Uh, or I've got to get hold of Charlie, the bus driver, or I've got to get hold of Frenchie to be told that I can't get hold of Charlie uh, because he's over his hours and he has to sleep and we're not allowed to move the bus. So as a band, we're probably paying two or 3,000 quid a day for a tour bus that we're not allowed to use. <laughs> um, and that can be... You get used to it. But then when you finally finished and you climb behind the, the wheel of your own car, there's this, woo-hoo, I can just go anywhere now and I can stop as well and I can get out, I can get back in again. I don't have to phone anybody up and ask. Um, so that's a great feeling to, to climb back into your car after a tour. And having done that, have you ever just driven to Rochdale or Macclesfield? Yes, you know. yes, I often drive to Macclesfield immediately after a tour. You know, hang about there a bit and then go home. That's a fib. Oh, that's a shame because I, re- I mean, they have a nice market in Macclesfield. <laughs> well, next time. Next, next time you get off tour. <laughs> Macclesfield will beckon. It'll beckon. Macclesfield beckons, lads, I will shout from the window of my mini as I speed down the drive. And they'll know I'm free. By the way, I've no idea if there's a market in Macclesfield. <laughs> Absolutely no idea whatsoever. Shall we start? <laughs> you silver-tongued northern bastard. <laughs> um, yes, let's let's start. Right, one six eight, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. All oh, right, okay. Hello and welcome to chapter one hundred and sixty-eight. What a what a to do. Of the Corona Diaries. <laughs> Much ado about the, about nothing, in fact, is, is what our, our, our episodes tend to be, don't they? It is it is a perfect description, isn't it, of what this is? <laughs> There's a lot of ado uh, in, in these episodes, and, and it is about not much. Right now, I need to I need to draw us to a point of of um, what's the word? No return. Well, there's a bit of that. Despair. Just a point. A point. Well, um, there's, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> a little point of order. A little point of oh. order. Oh yeah. Oh, right, yeah. because this is chapter one hundred and sixty-eight. Mm. Okay, so I'm just bringing up the diary. 
right? And so that means today, I think today is the 21st of July, if you're a purple. And if you're not a purple, and why the hell aren't you? <laughs> I think today is the 24th of July. Right. Now, does well, that mean you're still on holiday? You've lost me completely. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you now. Um, no, I'm back off my holidays. I, I got back on the 19th. Oh, how was it? It was uh, everything I'd hoped it'd be un- uh, it would be until it went wrong. Right. Lovely. Uh, we- <laughs> <laughs> until the car caught fire in that lay-by. Right. I'm in Devon, not obviously. To worry. Arguing yes. with people about cream. <laughs> yes. Oh, I once ruined a um, automatic gearbox of a Volvo in Devon. There's I a thought hill. you were going to say with clotted cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's easily done. <laughs> oh, I went all lightheaded then when <laughs> I just laughed. Why, why, are you sm- why are you smearing clotted cream on your gearbox, Steve? <laughs> oh, Episode title? Yes, yes. Clotted. No, I reversed up a hill. Was it? Begins with P. A, a hill that begins with P. Is that in Devon? Up a hill? It, you know, it's really famous. It's super steep. Uh, it's got a name like Porchester or something, but it's not Porchester. I'll go searching. Uh, yeah, p- people will write in. Yeah. But I got stuck up a sort of little cul-de-sac of a road, and the only way out was to reverse out. But but was to reverse up this incredibly steep hill. And I put my Volvo in reverse, and it would not have it because it was too steep for reverse. <laughs> and and I just basically ground this uh, automatic gearbox out of existence. And that was the end of that. Was it and... Porlock Hill? That's it. That's it. Okay, it's in Somerset. But other oh. than that... <laughs> well, it's all down there, isn't it's, it? It's very much down there. <laughs> Sorry, Devon. It's on to the blame. ankle, isn't it? If Cornwall's bl- the foot, it's on the ankle, isn't it? <laughs> to blame the uh, destruction of my gearbox on you when it was, in fact, Somerset's fault. Now, I've seen a picture uh, of that hill. That's a, that's Even to attempt to reverse up that. I had no choice. I was in a cul-de-sac, and I couldn't turn around, and I had to reverse, and there was no choice. Uh, but it wouldn't engage, and then in the end, smoke came out of it, and that smell that you get when uh, intercity trains are breaking. Oh yes, you know that funny smell you get when you're on an intercity. <laughs> Your soul <laughs> must have must must get it all the time. <laughs> I only said intercity strain there, but I meant intercity in, no, intercity <laughs> train. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um. Yeah, that smell. That smell came up in no uncertain terms, and that gearbox died. And what the hell is an inter-titty strain? <laughs> it's what you say when you're trying to say inter-city train at half past nine in the morning when, you, when your soul's still in bed. Right. Oh, now the reason that all started was because we're we're trying to record ahead so we can both go on holiday. And I don't <laughs> know how well we it's do. going, if I'm being honest. Look what we do for you. Look what they make you give. To yes. Quote, uh, what was it? Jason Bourne. Oh, Jason Bourne. Did I you watch thought, Die Hard, by the way? I said, no, not yet. Oh, I was on I telly ne- the other night. I nearly suggested it last night to Lynetta because Vibes has gone on a school trip now. So there's just the two of us, like, in the in the days before children, DBC. Um, and so it's amazing. It's just like, you know, it's like, it's like we're young again, except that we're too old to enjoy it. Um, but we were, I'd been watching Wimbledon yesterday. I'd been watching a bit of Venus Williams. And... Um, then that had finished, and there wasn't really anything on. And I thought, oh, should I suggest that we watch Die Hard? And then I thought, she's not going to wear it. 
I'll have to wait till I'm on my own. So uh, I didn't bother suggesting it, but it did cross my mind. But I don't. Is it? It's not gonna do it for girls, is it? Die Hard, or does it? Is oh, it she'll. Right? I think she'd enjoy it, but it's 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 quite violent. Um, right. Um, well, but it's, it's a good film. I mean, Alison likes it. It's it's a good right. film. But uh, but it's not a first night of vibes being away might not have might not have been the right mood. It's not a rom com, is it? It's it's well, there are a few good lines in it, but I wouldn't call it a rom com. <laughs> I mean, he gets the girl at the end, but oh, all right. What by the throat? Uh, well, no, no, no. There's a nice, there's a, there's a nice, you know, there's a nice happy ending. There's a nice happy, happy glowy ending. But there's a lot of death where, in between the start and the she, end. Where she's dabbing the blood off him, affectionately. Very much yeah. like that, actually. <laughs> Very much like that, really. Well, mm. it's either that or an inter-titty strain that you suggest. I'll, I'll leave it up to you, which you think is the I most knew appropriate. You would, I knew you would leap on that with your sewer of a mind. It was just a slip of the tongue. Of you, yeah, and you'll leap on that as well. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> I reckon our, I, I reckon our audience can can join those dots. I don't think they need any help. <laughs> anyway, anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to diary from last time. I bet you do. Um, anyway, carry on. Because uh, no, I, I just I, I just read the next day and fell off my chair because of the Mike Oldfield track. Yes, which I saw that. Then I ma- which we mentioned, and then there it is. That was spooky. It was very spooky. It was very sp- well. Let's go back a bit because yeah. we didn't talk about the diary last time because we were we were knee deep talking about uh, fear and oh, and the bandstand tour, the bandstand tour. No, no update on that at the moment, but we'll come back to you on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and the high court judge in the car should pressure washer. That made me giggle. Actually, I was listening back to it, <laughs> to it this morning. You know, for the edit. And that did make me chuckle. But carry on. <laughs> carry on. So your diary reading last time was you, you set off to Mexico, didn't you? Mm. Um, and we didn't really get chance to we didn't get chance to talk about it. Um but I suppose first things first, I need to ask, is it a regular occurrence as you try and save money in your true Yorkshire style that you <laughs> fall foul of scams? Um is it a regular occurrence? No, that was a bit of a one-off. I'm a bit more careful these days. Um, as uh, What's-His-Face says from moneysupermarket.com, if it seems too good to be true, that's because it's a scam. Uh, and this was... Uh, well, yeah, I just did a search for valet parking or, or whatever it is. Uh, no, meet and greet. Meet and greet parking, that's what I did a search for. And this company came up, and they were cheaper than all the others, so I booked it. And, of course, they didn't exist, and it was all a scam. Um, but I think in the end, I, I, they didn't charge me, which was a bit weird. And I thought I'd been scammed out of 50 quid, but they, the, the, the charge never appeared on the credit cards. Unfortunately, by then I was in Mexico City, and I'd got this dilemma because I thought if I phone them up and say I've been I've been scammed, they'll cancel my credit card. Then I'm screwed because you know you, you can't function on the other side of the world with uh, no cash uh, if you don't have a credit card. So I thought mm, I, I've kind of got to let these criminals do their worst because if I phone the if I phone the banks up, they'll cancel everything, and then I'm buggered. So it was a bit of a tricky one. Who do you use now, then? What do I use now? Oh, for your car parking. I mean, purple parking are very good for Heathrow. Oh, I thought you meant to pay for stuff. Oh, no, no, um, no. <laughs> I was going to say. No, I understand such... the concept of payment, but thank you. <laughs> I use a barter system now. <laughs> do you take a radish? Of, uh, <laughs> fresh fish. Uh, usually bottom feeders, um, in a lot of ice. Uh, no, these days, I, yeah, purple parking are pretty good. And um, who do I like? Now, who do I like to use? There's a company called, it sounds like BMW, but it's not. So it's MBW. 
I'm going to give them a, I'm going to plug them because they're based at Heathrow, Terminal 5, MBW. They're not the cheapest, but uh, I've started sort of sticking with them because they're a joy to work with. Hmm. And there's a little man at a desk there. Um, And you don't end up standing about for ages. Um well, they get it together to bring your car back. You, there's none of those shenanigans. And if you're an idiot and do something stupid, they're really helpful as well. And I am, and I often do. And it's great. You need help. I'm someone who needs help, Anthony. You need one of those lanyards, don't you? A hidden disability <laughs> lanyard. What, with a panic button on it? Though? Oh, Press. yes, absolutely, with a yeah. panic button on it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do, yeah. <laughs> a little red. I need a little red cord permanently hovering over me. <laughs> you that can, I can carry pull. around with you. <laughs> In case I get into difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. You're trying to say your entire life should be warden controlled. <laughs> I think that would, wouldn't do me any harm, I mean, to be honest. I'd have got out of a few scrapes. <laughs> that's a really good idea. The other thing is, you're, as you were flying to Mexico, wondering yeah. whether you were going to be scammed or not, yeah. you got bored of trying to write the diary up and you watched Alan Partridge? Yes, Alpha Papa. That one with the... Uh, where where Doesn't he get kidnapped? He does by, get kidnapped. And he's he's in a room with the, the, the quote, the drummer from Marilla. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who was definitely not Mosley, but that I I don't I don't know why he 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 wrote us into into it probably. Uh, I was probably I was just, just thinking again to, of to parallels take... because if Alan Partridge did a podcast, he would recommend car parking for Heathrow as well. <laughs> he probably would. It's a very yeah. Partridge thing to do. <laughs> So why were you actually, because I don't know if the diary really explains, why were you actually yeah. going to Mexico? I know you played a little gig, but it, it sounds mm. like there was something else behind it. Yes, I think it all started with Fernando Acev, who is a photographer and journalist in Mexico City. And uh, he's been floating around for years and years. And anyone who's anyone in Mexico City seems to know Fernando. He's he, They just all know him. Everyone I've ever met in Mexico knows Fernando Acev. Um And he's a very, very lovely, smiley geezer. Um, he takes really good photographs. And um, I think he once came even to interview me in London. You know, the door opened and in he came, grinning away, to, to interview me. Be, while we were releasing an album, probably something like Afraid of Sunlight or something, back in the EMI days. Um, and then I remember walking down the street with him in Chicago once as well. So he gets around. He wears an expensive watch, so I think he does all right, or he was born rich or something. And um, he got in touch because he'd got a friend called Leonardo, who's got a wife called Daniela. And Daniela died tragically uh, since then. I think she got she got sick and passed away. But she was lovely uh, and not very old. Um, and she worked as a teacher um, and teaching um, sort of special needs kids in Mexico who were uh, didn't have the kind of money or or their parents didn't have the kind of money for for them to attend special needs schools and, and and so she ran this school as a charity to look after the poor kid the poorer kids who who need extra help um she was running this little school and she got in touch with Fernando I think and said, I'm trying to raise some money for my school. Um, do you know anybody? And so he said, oh, those boys from Marillion are probably a good shout. So he uh, he contacted us and said, no, he contacted me and said, would you come and do an H Natural in, 
in Mexico for this charity. And uh, I, I agreed to do it. And having agreed to do it, I thought, you know what? If I took Rothers with me, we'd sell a lot more tickets than if I just went on my own. And so I phoned Steve up and I said, you don't fancy doing this with me, do you? Because, you know, they've offered it me as a solo artist. But I think if you came, then we'd probably sell twice as many tickets and make twice as much money. So he said, sure. And off we went. So that's how come we went and did the gig. And that does kind of come through in the diary. And, and you're going to pick up on that today because we've not had that bit of the reading yet. But when you do mm. read it, because I read it this morning, it, it, but, it, but it, I was assuming that was what it was. I, I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, it was Fernando, I think, who got in touch. Right, right. Now, going back a bit, and we'll go back to the early part of the reading, and this is where the whole time lag thing kicks in because you're saying time lag all the way. But you sounded like you had a bit of a mare. Those those few days. He couldn't hear the drums because there weren't any. I'll leave that. I'll just drop that in your lap. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> you honestly, for the first time in 168 episodes, completely threw me then. <laughs> I, th- I thought, my God, there's some kind of Zoom lag going on. <laughs> no, I was just saying. I was just Sorry, saying. that marble just went round and round in my head and eventually dropped into the hole <laughs> while, you, while you'd gone somewhere else. Well, I'd gone somewhere else. Now, you did mention, this is where the whole time-like thing kicks, comes in, that yeah. you, you'd had a, you, you had a bad couple of days when you arrived there. I think all of you did, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure it was more altitude. It was it was that, you know, both. It was the it was the, the jet lag and the altitude together just to make you feel nauseous. Hmm. I I think I know, we have talked about that because I always liken it to getting off it's like when you get off a lift on a very high floor. Hmm. And you still slightly shake it, slightly not shaking, but it's like everything's side to side. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, jet lag makes you feel a bit ill, doesn't it? Mm. And um, but but Mexico being so high makes you feel a bit strange as well. So it's it's just a bad combo. And I never got, I never felt right, as I said in the diary, or, or as I'm about to say in the diary, I never felt right at all until I was, you know, back on the plane and in the air. Um. Then I felt kind of all right again, because they probably pressurized those. Although they pressurized those jets to less than atmospheric pressure, it was probably more than the atmospheric pressure, pressure was in Mexico where you were. City. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, you you get more pressure on the way back than you than you've had for a few days, and you suddenly feel fine. I tell you where else I experienced that, and I don't know if it's altitude related, but I experienced that when I went to Japan. I felt bloody awful. The whole time I was there, and I remember after the aeroplane took off, suddenly thinking, "Oh, I feel all right." So there's something in Japan as well that you know does me up like a kipper. And as soon as I leave, I feel fine. So I don't know if that's an altitude. I don't know. Is Tokyo high or low? Or I've no idea. I've absolutely no idea. I wouldn't have thought it was particularly high, but I might be totally wrong. No. Well, there's something going on in Tokyo that that makes me feel duff. And then getting on the plane to come home, I suddenly felt fine again. Right. Strange. Uh, Last thing on that bit of diary. um, I probably just met me me soul in the airport (laughs) on its way in, you know, as I was coming out. That might have been it. That would be on a very fast train, though, wouldn't it, in Tokyo? It it would, yeah, yeah, exactly. It probably collided. Um, the last bit. Soul, soul train. Very clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a description, and you were telling me off mic yesterday about the approach to Mexico when you come in on the plane. Hmm. Yeah. 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 For whatever reason, there must be a mountain in the way or something. But they they have to approach Mexico City Airport by banking at more or less ninety degrees to horizontal. 
And so if you're in a window seat, depending on which side of the plane you are, you're either looking straight up at blue sky or straight down at the ground um, out of the side window because you're totally at 90 degrees. And I tell you what, even the even the the the, the most well seasoned air traveller, you get you do get palpitations, and you think, "Shit, a brick! This is this is uh, this is dangerous." <laughs> but you know, they manage to land them all the time, and they've never they've never dropped a seven four seven on Mexico City yet. So. Um, but I was in the window seat, and you know, you know how the 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 wings extend way back for landing. They they extend back until you can see through them, and you can see all the all the pneumatic rams and the inner workings and the the tubes and the pipes. And you just think, God, this is a machine I'm sat in here, and uh, let let let's hope this is all fine. And it is, but it does give you the jitters. Yeah, because most of the time I just think it's magic, and, I, and I'm and I'm far more content thinking it's magic. Mm, especially jumbo jets, they're they're mag- more magical than anything, aren't they? Because it's just unfeasible that they would rise into the sky ever, and they do. And you just think, well, that can't be science. There's a bit of there's a bit of something more. Than, mm. There's metaphysics going on here. Well, I first time I got faith. an A three eighty. They trundle yeah. down them. They don't seem to get to a speed that's enough to take you off the to ground. To take off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you keep looking out and thinking, well, you know, I've driven faster than this. Well, I was going to say my dad's Vauxhall Chevette went quicker than that. <laughs> and that was beige. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that never felt like it was going to take off. Uh... Yeah, I mentioned, I I mentioned Carl Carl Gerrish, didn't I, in the last um, in the last one as well, and I remember Carl once saying to me because he was an artist, uh, you know, a serious artist. I remember him once saying to me, "I've, you know, why are cars such shit colours?" And that was in the seventies, and all the cars were the most appalling colours in the seventies. They, they were, they were like, you know. You know, when you were at school and you went to the toilet and somebody had left a particularly sickly-looking turd in the <laughs> in the U-bend, you know, one of those that isn't brown, it's just sort of a, it's like got a yellowy tinge. <laughs> We've all done it, let's face it. Cars were that colour in the 70s. Mm. And there was a lot of orange, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. With rust spots. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you had a marina, it was always orange, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, the orange marina. Good God. You don't see those, do you now? No. They all, they all died out. They all probably disintegrated. No. The one that, that I always smile at when I see, and they're always red, actually, is when I see a mini metro. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yes, the mini metro. They bring yeah. back fond memories. Right, should we go for this bit of diary then? Should we go for the rest of the Mexican jaw? Yes, let's go for the gig day because I I discussed um, I discussed getting there, hadn't I, and settling in, um, and Galveston, of course, uh, looking down on Galveston Beach with Glen Campbell and me, you know, because again, my dad loved Glen Campbell. And Galveston was always playing in the house and it always brought a bit of a tear to my eye. Um, So it was amazing to be looking down on Galveston Beach. You know, I could still see that girl staring out to sea, missing that soldier. (sighs) Anyway, here we go. Sunday, 6th of October, Mexico City. Sleep was fitful and interrupted by time lag. Awake at 4am and finally gave up and got up at 5. Went out at half 6 looking for coffee and at 7 found a Starbucks across the street. 
The staff were already there and the metal shutters half open. I pleaded, but to no avail. It's Sunday and they don't serve anyone till eight. Came back and began assembling some vocal files for Richard B. The internet and computer audio recording combined to allow us to work and exchange files across the world as easily as being in the same room. This soaked up an hour or so and provided a diversion whilst waiting for the breakfast room to open downstairs at eight. Went down to find Phil and Steve already at a table. We've all slept terribly, of course, and we've all been up since five. That's 11am in England. Mexican food is very other. They were serving sprouts for breakfast. I had quite a few. Leonardo appeared in reception with some money for us to cover our expenses and fees, and so Phil and I went across the street with him, where we sat in the entrance to the big shopping mall, drinking Starbucks coffees and talking to him about the project and life in general. He's a nice chap. I like him. Spent most of the rest of the day chilling out and working on music and copying out old diary entries from the days before laptops. Had a look at my bank account and my credit card online account to discover that the car park scam payments hadn't actually been taken. Good news, I'm a hundred quid better off. But perhaps someone's just waiting to use my card details for a bigger withdrawal later. I couldn't remember which card I'd paid for the parking with, and there was no way of finding out as it wasn't mentioned on the email confirmation I'd been sent. I'm going to need to phone the bank and the visa company and fess up. At 7pm, I had arranged to go out looking for dinner with Phil. We remembered the traditional restaurant we went to last year and figured it would be quite close to our hotel. Getting there involved running the gauntlet of a little gang of fans who had assembled outside the hotel. I wonder how they found out. Brothers. And also the street guys who try to entice you into dodgy strip clubs as you walk down the street. Just as Phil and I decided we were lost, we found the little restaurant and ordered up dinner. I had chicken with chocolate mole sauce. Strange, but it kind of works. Phil took a photograph, washed down with a couple of small margaritas and followed by excellent homemade rice pudding. Returned to the hotel and went to bed early, whatever that is. Monday, 7th of October, Mexico City. We were to be picked up today at four to be driven to the school where Projecto Antares does its work. No sign of the jet lag diminishing, awake at 4.15 and got up around 5 again. Phoned home and all's well. Little Vibes doesn't seem to be missing me much and is more concerned with the details of the present I've promised I'll bring him home. Lynetta's been busy looking into the possibility of starting up an internet-based shop selling kids' clothes from Denmark, also selling on market stalls and through hosting parties. I spent the morning online and on the phone to my credit card people and bank, trying to warn them about the car park scammers and pleading with them to look out for the payments without cancelling all my cards or I'll be in Mexico City without the means to pay for anything. Spent the rest of the day until four writing the diary and chilling out, trying to ride the waves of nausea which overtake me periodically. I seem to find it harder to cope with jet lag as I get older. Maybe I just can't remember. Also, I think the altitude of Mexico City makes us lowlanders feel a bit strange and nauseous, a feeling which never really left me until we were on the plane home. We were bussed on time over to the school and spent a pleasant hour as guests sitting in on a class. Today they were shaking percussion in order to improve motor skills. I shook some bells in maracas to some Mike Oldfield recorder instrumental and then the kids were asked to make a picture of what they felt when they were listening. I joined in and scribbled the usual flowers and sticks of dynamite. The kids were sweet and affectionate, 
They all had their picture taken with us by Fernando Acef, who had first contacted me about the whole idea. It was nice to see him. After that, we were taken over to Coyoacan, one of the oldest parts of Mexico City, where Leonardo had arranged dinner in a restaurant on the main square by the Jardin Sanitario. Steve and I both plumped for the tuna with pistachio cream. It was lovely. Phil and I tasted the recommended mezcal, which is drunk with a brown salt, with a very distinctive earthy flavour. I later discovered it was flavoured with worms. Ordered coconut flan for dessert. This too was very nice, but a bit too dense to manage. A good job we have a gig tomorrow. It could have got ugly with the mescals if the brakes had not been firmly applied. Back to the hotel in the ever-present white people carrier, or white people carrier in this instance. Brought myself back from the edge with Galveston there, welling up. Mm. It's a nice tune. I still think Wichita Lyman's better. It is. It is. It's got that loneliness. But Galveston's got that, you know. There's an emptiness to a lot of his stuff, isn't there? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Mm. I might do that on the next H Natural Tour. I might knock through Galveston. Oh, I think you should. Hmm. Do you think that'll work at the seaside? <laughs> it should do. Yeah. It's about the seaside. Yeah. Right. You ready then? Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. <laughs> and you write about that little bit in the diary of uh, of the recorder and Mike Oldfield. How bizarre we will be talking about that. Honestly, I nearly fell off my chair when I, when I read that this morning. I thought, what's the chances of that? There I was, slagging it off. And uh, and here and here I am talking about shaking a shaker to it in a in a little school in Mexico City, which it was. That must have been the one. Yeah, I can't I think of another recorder based Mike Oldfield tune. Neither can I. No, I mean there's probably hundreds <laughs> that have passed us by. <laughs> yes, he probably played the recorder in the bath, didn't he, Mike? Oh, Mike's in the bath. Well, stood up or say. sat down. With a distant sound of recorder playing. Um, well, he'd be sat there. He'd be lying down in a bath, wouldn't he? Why would you be standing up in a bath? Well, I don't know. It feels like... I feel, my, Michael feels, strikes me as a person who takes his recorder playing seriously and would probably stand up. <laughs> <laughs> then the whole I bath thing's all, yeah. all odd. <laughs> Can you play a recorder underwater? You probably, um, no. Does it, it probably goes... I, I don't think... I think there's, there's a possible health and safety risk. Well, they're not... Um, they're not electric, are they? No, but intaking breath underwater is is tricky, isn't it? Oh, well, you'd have to come up, you know, breathe in, and then go back down for the next stanza. Well, well let's ask him. Like a let's whale. Let's get Mike on. <laughs> This is all going then, very wrong, isn't it? You come up and blow all the water out of it, like a whale. In all seriousness, and going back mm. to the school thing. Oh, yes, seriousness, yes. Yes. Are there, those, they must be lovely to be able to do things like that. It must be very humbling as well. But you seem to you seem to sort of chance on, not chance on, but you seem to be connected to these kind of things globally. It must be very nice. It is. It is, really. I mean, it's just a chance to... To um, I don't know. I mean, if I mean, I can't imagine anything better than if it happens. I'm not saying it necessarily does, but if it happens that you that you put a fire in a kid's belly, that can change an entire life. That, and I think we've probably all had moments when we were young where um, a certain experience changed us, you know, and put a fire in us and gave us a, gave us what might end, have ended up being a life's ambition and, and moulded us in some way. 
and I've had teachers say to me that 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 you you know when a when a when when somebody who the kids perceive to be a famous rock musician walks into their classroom and is in their midst, they're they're totally fired up, you know. Thereafter, you know, sometimes for weeks, sometimes forever, in a quiet little way. And I think we've all got our own stories about things that happened to us that changed. I mean, in my case, uh, I was in Sheffield City Hall watching Deep Purple, or I was in the in Be- at Bellevue watching The Who, and that just changed me forever. So, and you and. Mosley's got a great story about the Who playing at his school. He had this really cool uh, uh, music teacher who somehow persuaded the Who to come and play in his school. And I think that changed him forever. I think it shaped him, not just as a musician, but as a, as a yob as well. I mean, he was so he was so turned on by watching... Keith Moon destroy his own drum kit. I don't think that's ever left Ian. That sort of uh, slight undercurrent of yobbery has never left him. <laughs> so the chance to the chance to I mean, and I've recently I've recently done a thing um, with uh, uh, oh hang on a bit here we go here it goes again. I've recently done a thing in uh, with a school in Gibraltar. Again, uh, it's a special needs school, and the music teacher there got onto me and hustled the pants off me and 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 persuaded me to get involved in their music project. And they've been re- they've written and recorded a song that I think they're even going to release in Gibraltar um, about themselves, about about what it's like to be different. Um, you know, and yet the same, and um, and so I've sung some backing vocals on it, and I've played a bit of piano on it. And she was saying that the the kid the kid who came in and sang it, she says he's just changed completely um, as a consequence of of your involvement in this. It's it's lit a fire inside him, and that's just wonderful that that could happen and so when when you get or when i get the chance uh or when i'm invited to do something like that um you know this isn't an invitation to the world to to haul me into every every um every charitable need there is but at the same time you know when friends of friends kind of contact me and say will you do this I say sure. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll find half an hour, and who knows what what that might do to someone. That's a really nice. If you, I mean, if you look at, you know, there's so much going on in your life anyway. But what a nice little thing to just have that 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 comes along as part of that. Um, I mean, yeah, I I'm in... very, I'm very fortunate that that you know, I'm. I'd got I'd got a line in a lyric that I've never used, which the things that cost you nothing can mean the world to someone else, uh, and I've never used it. But I think that's I'm in the fortunate position where there are things that cost me nothing at all um, that can that that can have massive influence on other people, and that's 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 a great privilege. Mm. Um, I think we should stop there, um, mainly because I've no idea geographically where we are at the moment. Um, I mean, I know where I am. You're in Heckmantwijk. Well, I am, yes, but I'm not, am I? Because it's three weeks hence. Oh, I see. Yes, you're you're reversing up a cul-de-sac <laughs> in Somerset, in quite Somerset. possibly at this point. I might have to go and find that hill <laughs> when we go to Devon for it's hell of know. a hill. That first week of that holiday, I might gonna have to go and have a look. I might send you a photo. <laughs> you should. Does, does this bring back memories? <laughs> you knacker in well, your gearbox. Well, try and stand at ninety degrees to the uh, <laughs> to the surface. You know that would be a funny photograph. 
I'll, Somebody I'll have... like, someone will prop you up, you know, so that you look like you're at 90 degrees. I'll have a crack at that. I'll see how we get on. <laughs> right, well, I'm pleased you're home safe. I'm, I'm glad you had a nice time. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, I had a lovely time, Apart, you know, obviously, apart from the car fire. It was great. And have a word and see if you can slip a diehard in before you go. <laughs> I'll chatter up. Yeah, one and three are the ones worth watching. I mean, two's all right, but one and three, probably. Samuel L. Jackson in the third one's just great. In the third one, okay. But but you've got to start with number one. Number one's the classic. That's the one that changed everything. Okay. All right. Bruce Willis. Yeah. I think you need to start mentioning it now. Why don't you go downstairs in just a vest and see if that... In just a vest? It would definitely it would definitely achieve something. <laughs> Playing a recorder. <laughs> and on that image <laughs> I'll see you for one six nine. Yes. Okay. Well you're not well, Anthony, but that's why I love you. And oh, bless you. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. And uh we, I, I'm, I may be off on holiday, or I may have just come back. I, I no longer know. Um, stay purple. There. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights, and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>